everybody, and welcome to another edition of Two Brain Radio with Sean Woodland. On today's episode, I talk with the woman who finished 12th at the CrossFit Games in 2019, Carolyn Prevo. They say it is lonely at the top, but what if entrepreneurs didn't have to go it alone? Well, now you don't have to. Chris Cooper has compiled more than a decade's worth of hard-won wisdom into 15 free guides on everything from marketing and retention to hiring and firing. You can download them all for free at twobrainbusiness.com slash free dash tools. Carolyn Prevo may be one of the best all-around athletes in CrossFit. Not only has she competed at the games, but she has also won, get this, 11, 11 national championships in four different sports. She has competed in soccer, professional hockey, and taekwondo, and she currently works as a high school math, science, and phys ed teacher. We talk about how sports shaped her from an early age, her time playing collegiate hockey at the University of Wisconsin, and the impact that she hopes to make on her students through fitness. Thanks for listening, everyone. Carolyn, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, this quarantine life is basically uh, something that I enjoy, apparently. <laughs> I haven't had too much difficulty adjusting to it so it's been nice and I guess I'm in a fortunate position um, as a teacher that I haven't had to worry in terms of my job stability um, so things have been good on my end and um, I've been enjoying this kind of more you know downtown downtown time yeah. you, you mentioned that you are a teacher you're a, a high school math science and PE teacher so how has this current pandemic affected the way that you do your job on a daily basis <laughs> I actually do my job here, which is uh, above CrossFit Coliseum, which is my gym. There's a clinic upstairs and my coach gave me the key to it because there's like a big whiteboard behind me and I just a lot of room and stuff or space. So I've just been doing all my lessons here. We're teach, we've switched to virtual teaching. Mm -hmm. um, we've also condensed the curriculum. So we're taking away some of the stuff that we typically teach and we're kind of focusing on the essentials of what needs to be learned for the following year. Right. So they've reduced also the hours that we teach. So there's only a couple hours in the day that I teach now versus, you know, a you know, larger portion of my day that I was teaching before. So I'm actually working less hours, which has given me more time for training. So there's no commute going to Oakville, which is about 25 minutes away to go to work. So I'm, sa I'm just saving a lot of time. Um, it's weird teaching virtually because I don't see the faces of my students. And mm -hmm. when you teach, you like to look at their facial expression and be like, okay, this person is completely lost. I'm going to try to <laughs> change the way I'm teaching right now so I can, you know, get this person to understand what I'm talking about. But when you see, when you do it virtually, none of them put their cameras on. So I'm just speaking to the, my computer. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to try to teach it another way, but I don't know if everyone's getting it. Um, it's okay. Uh, you know, you just adapt and, you know, that's something I'm used to doing. So. You have been involved in sports pretty much your entire life. What are your, your earliest memories of competing either as an individual or on a team? Um, well, most of my memories growing up involved uh, three or four sports. So I first started with gymnastics. So I have some good memories of those um, just training sessions and uh, learning a lot of discipline and, you know, hard work and stuff like that. And then the three sports that I did growing up were hockey, soccer, and Taekwondo. And I would say that I have equal memories of all of them. Um, you know, hockey, I, I still currently play. 
uh, and soccer. Just Taekwondo, I gave up. But, you know, there's been a mixture of just great teams that I've been a part of. Um, you know, a lot of the memories I have are just like in hotel rooms and or playing mini sticks in the hallways. Those are more of like the childhood memories of sports that I had is just like with your friends. Um, so th those are fun. And then Taekwondo, I have a lot. That, that was an individual sport. So I have a lot of just memories of the training aspect of it, like training to Rocky music and going for runs. Like I remember just thinking I was Rocky half the time. It was, you know, just good memories of a lot of sports. That, that Rocky four soundtrack is hard to beat. That's it's it's still, so hard to beat. Still I still listen to it. Ones. Yeah. It's, it's, that is a timeless classic. Uh, why do you think that so many sports appealed to you at such a young age? I just love sports. Like I, I would wake up in the morning. I would watch sports center with my dad. Um, my whole, like we have we're five girls in the family. So I was definitely like the little boy that my dad never had. And we, I just grew up playing sports and, and watching sports. That's all I was surrounded with. And my parents gave my, like gave me every opportunity to, to participate in sports. Like those were like the main sports I did was Taekwondo, soccer and hockey. But even at the high school and elementary level, like I played badminton, volleyball, basketball, track and field, like anything I could do, my parents were like encouraging me to do and to not specialize in a single sport, which I think a lot of kids have pressure to do is to kind of focus on one sport. But I just kind of loved everything of every sport that I did. So I just never wanted to specialize. And I just loved competing like at the end of the day like i just had fun competing um and then when you're good at it at the same time like you just it you know makes the experience better i am i personally believe that you know the lessons that you learn from playing sports especially team sports are pretty invaluable what lessons did you learn as a youngster i think you learn that you have a different role on on your team like some teams i was the top player some teams i didn't i wasn't necessarily the top player you just kind of learn to to play a role and to have these goals and to sacrifice for your team. Um, and, you know, that, that goes into every, every day, um, the sacrifice that you have to make. Um, I learned time management. Um, that's a huge one. Just with everything that was going on in my life, like I had to be very um, focused and, and um, just very, very precise on the time that I had in my day. Um, I learned just different coaching uh, feedback stuff. Like you, you just learn from different coaches, different athletes. I like this leader on this team. I like what this person brought and you kind of take the best out of every athlete that you've played with or with coaches and you kind of mold into this, you know, all around better athlete just from having different experiences with, um, with teammates and, and, and coaches. Like I was very fortunate that I had high end, um, coaches in every sport that I, that I played. And, the athletes that I got to play with or, you know, a lot of them had D1 scholarships or played at the Olympic level. So I had some good influences around me and, you know, you just, you just try to learn from people around you as much as possible and just become a sponge. Yeah. You competed on the Canadian junior national level in three different sports. So soccer, Taekwondo, Taekwondo and hockey. How were you able to get so good at three different things? I worked hard. Like I, I, I think playing a lot of sports helped me because I, there's stuff that just translates from one sport to the next. And you understand the concept, let's say, you know, soccer and hockey, you know, in both games, you're, you have an offensive team, a defensive team. Defensively, you need to position yourself between the goal 
and the players and you're trying to defend whether it's with a stick or whether it's with your feet in soccer or your body and then offensively you're trying to you know find the open or you know move the puck around or move the, the ball around to you know generate offensive chances like there's just like stuff that just translates between all the sports and I just think that um you know, I became a better all-around athlete and it made me better in each of each one of the sports that I did. Like I was generating good power from hockey. I was able to translate that as a sprinter in, in soccer um, and vice versa. And then the mental aspect of just like martial arts, you know, gets you prepared for, for different competitions and the experiences that I had at the international level in one sport would carry on to the next sport. Um, you know, I, th- I think if you, you can see a lot of athletes that typically are good at multiple sports and they, you know, they carry over some skills. Um, and that's essentially what I did. Hockey takes you to the university of Wisconsin. How did you come to the, the decision to go there? Um, at the time they're one of the top teams. Uh, they still, they still are. Yeah. So like, just like while I was in my recruiting process, so I was looking at basically all the D one schools, um, Financial aid ones, like the Ivy League schools, I kind of wrote off early just because that depends on uh, what your parents make. And as a Canadian, I would have to pay a little bit. And it was just too expensive. Like you want, if I was going to go to the States, I wanted a full ride scholarship and not go off of financial. I didn't even have to pay. I don't know how much it would have been, like 10, 20,000 a year. It just wasn't worth it to me. Um, so then I started looking at different schools and Wisconsin was high on my list and then you have these official visits that you go to uh, where they pay for everything and then they introduce you to the players and you watch the practices and everything and the moment I stepped onto the campus like I knew everything was first class the coaches were first class the facilities were absolutely unbelievable Um, I ended up visiting also Ohio State uh, a couple weeks after and it's funny because I was watching a football game um, Wisconsin versus Ohio. I'm inside the Ohio stadium and I see the Wisconsin band playing and you know, the, the Ohio state band is like probably the most well-known band out there. But in my heart, I was sitting in a hundred thousand people stadium and I was going for Wisconsin. And, I, and as soon as I had that feeling inside me, I was like, I can't go here to Ohio. Like, this isn't right. Like you just, you get this feeling and you just know, what university is right for you. And for me, I had that almost right away with Wisconsin and it was literally the best decision I ever made. What was it like playing for a premier program like that? It honestly was like a, it's a professional league, essentially. Like you're treated as a professional athlete. Like we were, we're probably, well, we are for the women's team, um, for women's hockey. Like we get the most, uh, we get the most fans. So we, we, I had games that were in front of 12,000 fans. It was called Fill the Bowl. So we filled the whole uh, Cole Center. Uh, we had outdoor games. Um, we were getting charter flights to different, you know, games in our conference. Like we, we had a, a lot of money at the university and a lot of it is given back to the women's hockey program. So I just felt like it was, it was unreal. Like we had, we had a practice facility that was smaller ice. So whenever we would go out of town and we play in a smaller ice surface, we would go there and practice. And if we played on a bigger ice, we had the coal center, which was a bigger, and we had people carrying our gear from one, from one uh, rank to the next. Like you, you, we had two sets of gears every single year given to us. Like 
like, I don't even know, 24 pairs or 24 sticks. Like it was just ridiculous. Like I just didn't think that that was possible for like female athletes to receive that much. And then, you know, you graduate from that program and then you come to a professional league that was the CWHL and it seemed like such a downgrade from what you were experiencing at, you know, the top university in the world for hockey. Yeah. How are you able to balance both the academic and the physical demands of being a student athlete? Well, playing a sport at university, any sport, it's a, it's having a full-time job. Hmm. You're, you know, for, for me, it's, it's about maximizing my time in the classroom. Like I, you know, you're in a, you're in big lectures of 300 or 500 people. I was front row or in the first couple rows, every single lecture, because I knew if I sat in the front, I'm probably not on my cell phone. I'm paying attention. I'm, you know, connecting with the, the professor that's teaching and I'm going to maximize the time because if you paid attention in class, that was like 80% of the work. And I figured that out way before even university that if you do the work at, at school, you buy yourself time after school for the stuff that you wanted to do, which for me, it's, you know, playing hockey and competing at that level. So I just was very focused on school and um, worked really hard there and did well both academically and um, athletically. And both were equally important for me. I always wanted to do very well at school. You but it's definitely, it was definitely a full-time job, like yeah. playing. You won two national championships while you were there. What stands out to you about both of them? Uh, the first one was my freshman year. Uh, it was, you know, you, you, you play on this amazing team. I didn't, my role wasn't as big as a freshman, so I didn't, I didn't like contribute as much or like as the, the next one that we won. Um, but it was just such an unreal moment. Like you train the entire year, you play the entire year for this national championship. And then when you finally get it, it's just, it's, it's amazing. The teammates that you have that memory with is, is unbelievable. And then the, the following year, we lost a lot of players because we have Mark Johnson, who's our coach. And that year, he ends up being the U.S. Olympic coach for the female team. We had at least five or six girls that left our program for that year to go play at the Olympics. So every time there's an Olympic year, uh, it's difficult for our program. I, we, I don't count the Olympic years <laughs> because we just lose too many of our top players. And then all of a sudden, it's just we didn't, we didn't have a good year the second year. And then they came back the following year. And then we won again my junior year. And my role was bigger as a junior um, that year. And it was just, that was probably the best team I was a part of was my junior year at university when we won that championship. Like I felt like we dominated the whole year and our conference was the toughest by far, the WCHA. Minnesota is always good in Minnesota Duluth. And um, it was, it was just unreal. And then my senior year, we were ranked first basically the whole year. We ended up losing in the finals. Uh, so we got second that year to Minnesota. And then Minnesota were good for a few years after that. And then Wisconsin slowly taking it back over. So I'm happy about that. You have won 11 national championships in four different sports. And most people would kill for just one of those. So what's it like having 11? It's cool. Like I just, I, like I said, I just feel like I, I – was given good opportunities growing up and um, I've worked extremely hard um, like I love playing sports and um, you know none of these were given like I've you know but at the same time you don't win championships um, without a lot of people that are surrounding you and for you know a lot of these were team team sports so team 
national championships. So if you don't have the, a, a good squad, like you're not winning, you know, you, you see a lot of these great athletes that, you know, just didn't win and uh, a Stanley cup because their team wasn't as deep or so it's a mixture of just having the right players that you're playing with, or even individual sports, you know, you had your coach, you had your training partners that were good. And, uh, and then on top of that, you just, you work hard and you focus on the details and, you know, good things happen when, when, you know, you work hard and you, you create uh, good opportunities. So uh, it's fun. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> Yeah. You go on to play and you mentioned this professionally with the Toronto Furies of the unfortunately now defunct Canadian women's yeah. league. So what did it mean to you to be able to continue your hockey career and play at a professional level? Yeah, it was, it was cool. Like we, so after you graduate, uh, so at that point I was, so I played for the under 18 national team, the under 22 national team for uh, four years. And then I was 22, 23 years old. I was in the senior program. Um, and then hopeful, and then a hopeful player for the 2014 Olympics. Uh, and then I was, there were between a few players to centralize a roster in Calgary and I was on the bubble and then they, there was about three or four of us that were left and then they took the other girls and then they left me and they released me basically from the program. And at that age for female athletes, you know, you can't guarantee that in four years from now you're getting reinvited. So at that point I needed to make a decision on what I was going to do with my life. So that's when I applied for teachers college. I didn't live in Toronto, um, but I knew there was a Toronto team there in the CWHL. So I moved there and then went to teacher's college and I had a sister that lived there too. So I, it, everything just kind of um, fell into place. And then I found myself on that Toronto Furies team in the CWHL. Played, I think it was seven seasons before the league um, folded. So I had a you know great, great time with them. Um, good experiences. It definitely wasn't the same as the national, like the NCAA that we had played in um, the prior years, like in terms of, the professional level of like the, 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 the talent, the game was, was better, but the treatment was not, the resources were not, we had less fans there than we had at, at Wisconsin. Um, I was paying for my own equipment. So like, we're called, like it was a professional league, but it didn't feel like a professional league when, when you leave this university program that you were literally treated as a professional. Um, but it was a great experience and um, we're moving on now to, bigger and better things hopefully yeah so where do things stand now as far as getting a new women's professional hockey league going so it's a little it's a little confusing for the fans but essentially after university there's not much for you know you get all these graduates that you know that graduate and there's there's right now the nwhl called the national women's hockey league and um they're a professional league um, that was, that was started a few years ago in the States because we lacked in our league, the CWHL, more American teams. So it was created basically to give more Americans the opportunity to play after college, um, because there wasn't that much for players. So a lot of pl great level players had to retire after university because there just wasn't anything and people needed to work and then they start families, etc. So you have that league that now has, I believe, five or six teams in that one. And once the CWHL folded, um, the, essentially the, the top players in the world, which include all the Olympians and the, and the national team players, essentially said, like, enough's enough. Um, you know, we're calling this professional, but in reality it wasn't professional. 
and you know we're having to bring our gear home and back and forth like we don't have washer dryers we are not we're paying for our own equipment like it's we're not getting paid really like it's so we we're trying to push that forward so we created uh the pwhpa which is the professional women's hockey player association so essentially all of the olympians and the national team players that were a part of that nwhl got out of that league because they didn't see that the vision of that league was taking it to where um we felt the sport needs to go and they also are lacking the, the same resources essentially there's a lot of the same problems that we had with the cwhl that are existing also in the nwhl so this whole PWHPA thing is looking at uh, essentially creating a league that would be a professional level similar to the WNBA. So I don't know what they would call it, but it would be kind of associated with the NHL to some degree um, and actually be a professional sport and a viable league that won't fold where players can make, you know, a livable wage. We're not asking for millions, but you know, we're also not expecting 2000 or $5,000 because that's not a professional league. Um, so that's in the works right now. So I'm part of that group of players that's trying to make this happen. And um, I, there's some good people on board with us. And we had year number one last year, and it took off very well. Obviously, this pandemic has kind of made it a little bit more difficult. Um, but, you know, we have very strong intelligent women that are just very persistent and they're going to work hard to make something happen i think the nwhl is a great opportunity for a lot of players like it could be a great opportunity for myself right now as i'm at the end of my hockey career and i'm juggling crossfit and i could play in the nwhl and use that as an opportunity to keep playing but i'm i, I don't want to go there until this other league is formed and i'm really helping uh, hoping that you know it's pushing the sport forward and I'm making sacrifices on my own play and my own pay basically to help this happen so hopefully something happens soon but the PWHPA are looking at creating something that's really for the elite hockey players of the world how did you find CrossFit when I got cut from the national team for the Olympics to not get centralized in Calgary I was, you know, you, you go through university and you're given a hockey program and you, you follow the hockey program. And I've always loved doing uh, dry land training and just training in general. And I found myself basically without a hockey program anymore because I had graduated. So I'm on my own with my training. And then for many years, a lot of people just kept saying, like, you should do CrossFit. Because I was always like one of the top ones in the weight room. Um, for all the sports I did and I liked training and then people were like, Oh, have you ever heard of CrossFit? And I was like, yeah, yeah, like sure. But I had never like really looked into it. And then I was home at my Taekwondo club and uh, you'd probably know Christine and Deli. Yeah. So she's from Sarnga. She's from my hometown. And her dad said that there was a CrossFit gym just down the street from my Taekwondo club and said that I should check it out. And then I was like, okay, I've heard CrossFit from so many people. And then finally like, he kind of directed me to where one of the gyms were. So started there um, and did a few workouts right away. And my competitiveness, obviously I love doing it and I wanted to compare myself right away and then compete. So jumped on board and that was basically how my CrossFit career took off. But it was honestly, it was, it was the, the best thing because a lot of players after university, they have a hard time transitioning to the real world. 
and a lot of them go through depression or they're just lost because you go through your whole life and for as a female athlete the pinnacle of every sport is going to the olympics like there's not many sports for women's uh for, for women that we actually make a full career out of it so you want to go to the olympics that that's what that's your goal and when that goal comes to an end like you're lost because that's literally what you've been fighting for your whole life so i had finally found like another door that had opened and it just allowed me to kind of repurpose this competitiveness that i've had my whole life and at least not have this like big down after the university of like depression or anything like that like I would just hop right on that and it was like cool I like this and then I like everything just kind of fell into place ever wish there were a step-by-step guide to business success well now there is Chris Cooper spent more than a decade making mistakes learning from them and paving the path to wealth now he's mapped it all out so that you don't have to fly blind Available to Two Brain clients, the Two Brain Roadmap lays out the exact steps you need to take to grow your business and reach wealth, all with the help of a certified Two Brain mentor. To learn more and to see if mentorship is right for you, book a free call at twobrainbusiness.com. Now, more with Carolyn Prevo. At what point did you say, did you say to yourself, you know, I'm just not going to be competitive inside this gym. I want to be competitive on a global scale in CrossFit probably day one. <laughs> I, I did, I probably did a workout and I'm, I was probably like, okay, when's the next competition? Let's do it. Um, but in terms of like, like I wanted to make it to regionals, but I didn't think it was possible to make it to the games while I was playing hockey. Like I knew, I knew I would do like well at like a, like that kind of level because of just from all the experience of background, I knew I was a quick learner. Um, just because everything I've done, I just learned sports very fast and I had a very good base in my fitness. Uh, but it wasn't until really like 2000 and I'd say 16, 17, whenever the, there was a, in Oshawa, Ontario, what was the, what was the it called? Yeah. The Invitational. <laughs> so I went to go watch that. I was on the demo team because they had a competition the day before for affiliates and my team ended up in second and then they picked the first and the second place team to be the the demo and I'm looking at all the cross the games athletes I'm like holy crap these people are so good and then like I'm pretty sure I peered my handstand walk in front of them like it's like 100 feet um, but that that weekend Dave goes and announces that the CrossFit games were going to be in Madison Wisconsin and like everyone in Oshawa like had no idea where Madison Wisconsin were and they all expected <laughs> Florida mm-hmm. and I was just like oh my God, like, this is it. Like, I can go back to Madison, Wisconsin. I hadn't been back since I graduated. It was just like, I can go back to Madison, Wisconsin and go back to the university I went to in another sport. Like, it would just be like going full circle in my athletic career. So from that day on, like, I I remember driving home and I was just like almost in tears um, just from the announcement and just being so happy that that was the place that we were going. And I just kind of dialed in my nutrition uh, worked super hard and then I got really close in 2018 and then finally 2019 I made it so it was it was cool but it definitely the idea of competing at the games and just that dream was started at that weekend yeah you, well you mentioned uh, getting close and in 2018 you took third 
third overall in the worldwide open and then you go to regionals but unfortunately you take six and you miss out by one spot so how did yeah. you deal with that disappointment uh, i was disappointed that that's the year that they put the bench press in at regionals and it just wasn't a good movement for me and like i i grew up bench pressing like in hockey like you you bench press it just wasn't a good movement it honestly still is not that great of a movement um but you know i've it wasn't the first time that i've been cut or just on the verge of making that like that senior team or you know that next world level so you know i just kind of took it as an opportunity to be like okay like i'm close i can get there like it was it solidified my in my head the third place in the open because you you get third in the open and you're like okay what happened like why am i here like the are people injured? Like what's going on? Like were these workouts just like amazing for me? Like there's no way I'm like that high up. So you start just questioning your abilities. So when I also was close at regionals, I was like, okay, no, like you can, you can do this. Like you're, you're right there. It's not a fluke. So just keep at it. And so it just kind of gave me that confidence more so than that disappointment mm -hmm. that I didn't make it. So I just used it as fuel for the next year to just keep going. What did you think about your competitive future after that, once all the changes to the season were made and the format is now completely different? Uh, when they said that you could qualify through the open, I just didn't know what that looked like. Um, and then I, I thought, okay, in 2018 I did well, but people maybe didn't redo the workout as much or they didn't take the open and like as serious because they knew they were gonna go to regionals and that was where you qualify. So I just didn't know how difficult it was gonna be to qualify through the open and thankfully I had some good workouts um, for me but I just did like you just didn't know like there was a lot of unknown in that 2019 season like the, re the sanctionals were beforehand um, for some of them before the open as a teacher and as someone who's playing hockey like I can't necessarily travel and go to all these places worldwide and compete and get there a week in a week in advance and get used to the time difference like i when i compete and i go to any place i literally get there like the day of the registration i'm registering i'm competing the next day i leave the sunday night i've missed podiums before uh because i'm going back to work on the monday so it's it's difficult for me to do the sanctional season i'll pick and choose hopefully a couple that are close i might pick one in the season that's going to be a little bit further away but it's also expensive. So I was like, well, this is just going to help people that are doing this full time or have a lot of money to travel. Like I don't have these sponsors that are going to pay for my trips and, and hotel and food and all that. So I was like, well, this could be good for some people, but it may not be good for, for someone like me who's working full time and can't take the time off work or afford to just go everywhere. So I just wasn't sure. So I tried to put all my effort into the open because I knew for me, I could, you know, I could do very well at those type of workouts typically and just kind of put my head down and then avoid having to go to these sanctionals and paying more money and, and taking time off work and stuff. So that's my mentality is to try to qualify through the open because uh, it's difficult through uh, other times in the year. Well, you accomplished that in 2019, you make it to the game. So what was it like for you to finally realize that I'm going back to Madison to compete? It was unreal. Like I, I had been close in a lot of sports. Like it was like close in, in hockey. It was, you know, you, you, you're on like different junior national teams for a lot of sports, but you never were like on the senior team or on the senior Olympic team. So it was like, this was finally for me, like the biggest 
stage in terms of like, I finally made it to the senior team or the senior competition. So it was um, really like, I just was like super uh, thrilled and relieved and happy to, to get the opportunity to compete at that level. Um, and especially with it being in Madison, it was pretty cool. What were your expectations when you got there? Um, I wanted top 20 from the get go. Like I just, I felt like if there's good enough workouts, I, I know I could get in the top 20. Um, obviously there's a lot of things out of my control. And if people at the end of the day are better than me and I'm outside of top 20, like I'm okay with that too. But I like just having that specific goal in mind. Like I think I can get into that inside that. And, but it was, it was stressful. Like, honestly, out of all the competitions I've done, it's probably the least amount of fun I had competing because you just couldn't enjoy just being there at the games. Cause it was like, you can't just take a moment in like, you're about to get cut if you do that. <laughs> so yeah. you had to like really go hard. And I felt extra pressure just because I was at Madison. I had a lot of friends that were there and I just felt like it was like going home. Um, so it just was like, I hope I don't get eliminated right away because all these people paid money to come and watch me. So I put pressure on myself, um, a little bit, um, a lot, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, it was cool though. It was, it was fun experience, even though there was a lot of, um, you know, unknowable there and it was different experience, I guess, for everyone. I felt that, especially that year, that people who had a background in sports, traditional sports, dealt with the pressure a little bit better. So how did your athletic background help you deal with the whole do or die atmosphere that surrounded basically every event that year? <laughs> That's sports, right? Like you, you play a hockey game, you can be better on paper than someone on to play a hockey game, but things don't go that your way. You're hitting the post. That goal is standing on her head. Like, you just can't control certain stuff. Just like right now what's going on with, um, you know, with the pandemic and stuff. So I, I think like, and I think naturally my personality is a little bit like kind of, you know, you just create your own path. Like you just deal with it. And I just think I was able to adapt to the events as much as possible with like knowing it minutes before. Um, and it didn't get too much under my skin in terms of, uh, what the events were, whatever they were. It was just like, okay, this is it. Do your best and live with the results, basically. Um, but yeah, I, th I think playing a lot of sports and getting those experiences on different stage definitely helps experience-wise. Even though I lack the experience at the games, I have a lot of athletic experience that transfers over to that. Um, so it, it, I don't feel necessarily like a rookie, even though um, I was. Mm -hmm. You wind up taking 13th, which is fantastic, but I'm guessing that you really wanted to be in that final 10. So how now does this motivate you moving forward? Uh, well, again, I, I, I took it with a grain of salt because, you know, I, was also, I also know that I'm, you know, certain events played in my favor and I could have been, you know, on the other side of the line at any given time and certain people didn't get the opportunity to showcase at different events because they were cut. So you kind of take that year, you take your result and you, you go and say, okay, this is what I need to work on. Um, but I mean, again, it, it validated the work that I put in and, and the fact that I knew I could be in that top 20. Um, and you know, it, a lot of the events were athletic events, like the sprints and stuff like that. Like I could tell in the warm up, people didn't know how to go around a cone. Like I would see how they pivoted around the cone. I was like, you have never played soccer or anything like that. <laughs> I was like, this is, I was like, this is 
funny to me because I've done so many sports and you could be fit, but you didn't know how to be like athletic, quote unquote. So I was just like, this is great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Um, I kind of, you know, I finished, I finished the games. Um, but at the same time, uh, I had a lot of adversity there because I ended up getting uh, rhabdo for the first time in my life from Mary, which uh, I only talked about that for the first time last week on another podcast. But um, all five out of the six events that I did were outside. And, you know, I train in Canada and a lot of times I'm training in, indoors and you can train in humidity, but it's not the same as being out in the sun. So I think it was a mixture of dehydration, uh, just being out in the sun all day and drink enough water. And then you had you get the high volume of pull-ups in Mary. And I remember not being able to extend my arms at all. And I had hurt my calf in the Mary coming down from the pull-up bar on the, on the second round or not second round, but you know how that you had the first section that mm-hmm. you had, you, you placed your mat, but when you made it to the next section, they had already placed the mats. Right. And before then I had, you know, I had just gone unbroken on the pull-ups and then I get to the next section. And when I dropped down, the mat was too far back. And I like, I just caught the front end of the mat and it, my calf tweaked up. So I, I didn't even warm up for the sprint. I stretched my cat, my hamstring like a little bit to make sure that my hamstrings were ready to go, but I could barely extend my arms. I had taped on my, uh, my calf that I can barely extend. I was like, well, at this point I was just going full send and Mary, give it all I have, try to make top 20. Once I got that, I was happy. I could enjoy the games for the first time during the sprint event. I knew that was a great event for me. And then I started warming up for it and I was like, Hey, it's not hurting when I'm warming up. But as soon as I would stop, my calf would just like be in a ball. And I was like, oh no, like I hope I can do this event because I want to sprint. Um, but I ended up doing it. It was fine. But a few weeks after the games, like I still couldn't extend my arms. Um, I couldn't do a pull up for about three weeks to a month after the games. And here comes the open. And that's what I put my money on because that's what I was preparing for the following year. So I was like, oh no, this is not good. But then slowly, you know, I just took care and I took a few weeks fully off and I took care of my body and slowly got strength back. Um, Thankfully there was no pull-ups in the open in the first week, like no pull-ups at all until the last week, which had muscle-ups. So by that time I was fully recovered and fine, but it was scary. Um, that had never happened to me before. And I've done a lot of sports. I've done harder workouts than that. It just, I think being outside for so many of the events and just lack of hydration and stuff and a mixture of a bunch of stuff, but yeah. You are now one of the people who went from being solidly in the games mm-hmm. to now having sort of a, having very, a lot of doubts about whether or not you're going to make it because of the format change. What were your initial thoughts when that, announcement was made not surprised at all like honestly I, I i read it and i was like i expected it like i i had i guess in my head thought about the worst case scenario which would be fully canceled and then when they said that it wasn't canceled they were still kind of doing something or at least hoping to do something i started looking at my placement which was between the blue line and the top 20 in my head i was like there's no way that they're going to invite all of the blue, all of underneath the blue line, which was around like 32nd, plus they had already done 10 sanctionals. I was like, they're not going to take no one from the sanctionals because then it takes away from people that are doing the sanctional events and it's not going to look good if they do that. So I was like, 
okay, there's at least 10 there. They may take even top 10 from the open. Like I didn't know. And I was like, right now my spot's not guaranteed. I'll still train regardless of whether I qualify or not as if I, I've qualified. Um, so when that announcement was made, I was like, okay, so this is, this is what's happening right now. I at least have some information more than yesterday and it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, I got food on my table. I got somewhere to sleep. My life is pretty good. Like there's bigger things happening in the world than having the opportunity to play or to compete at the games. So I kind of put that into perspective and, you know, like I said, I'll be ready if the, if the fillback spots happen. Cause I think I'm just going to be a couple to maybe one spot shy when this is all said and done. And we still don't even know if it's going to happen and everything with the travel restrictions. So um, I'm going to continue to train as if I'm going to the games because I have a feeling I may, I may still get there somehow. So it's, it is what it is. Like you can't, you, you can't control it. Like, like I said, I've had friends, I've had Olympics canceled and, world championship so you know it, it is what it is at this point you you know you adapt and that's what CrossFit is so <laughs> nothing new yeah what drew you to teaching um I I, I grew up I, I did a lot of like coaching of like different soccer clinics hockey clinics um I did private lessons in taekwondo where I like taught people how to fight or do their their patterns and stuff like that I just enjoyed teaching people. And, uh, at school, I, I liked tutoring people that didn't know what was going on in different subjects. Like I just liked just helping people learn a skill. Uh, my mom worked in a school. My, my, one of my sisters is a teacher also. So I just think it was in the family. And then, um, the hours are also very good because, you know, I'm not working nine to five. I'm working like eight to two thirty, three o'clock. So it still allows me to get a good chunk of my evening. So the scheduling hasn't really changed for me since I was little. It's literally still school and train. And then now it's teaching and train. So the, it's, it's, it's a schedule that I've kind of just learned to, uh, to work with. So I think that helps me a lot because I'm a very like routine type person. Like I don't need a bunch of different stuff every day. So I think, I think the routine works well and I enjoy teaching. Like I've, I'm in my sixth year, I think now. Good for you. So it's fun. What do, what do your kids think about what you do, not only with CrossFit, but with all the other sports that you play? Um, some of them, well, they, they, know, they know I do sports and stuff like that. But like, I don't, like, in, like, let's say in physical education, like, I've never, part, like, I never participated in the class. Like, like it, it's not for me. It's for them. Like, I will never take the spot of a kid in, in PE. Like that's, that's not my job. And that was a big pet peeve of mine. Like as if I see different teachers, like it's not, your you're not there to show up. So I try not to talk too much about that part, but some of my kids follow me on, on social media. So they know what's happening in my life. So they, they, they'll ask me about it, but they think it's cool. I've had uh, my whole school go to one of my hockey games before in the playoffs. So that was really cool. I took a few buses filled up one whole section of the stands. So that was cool. Um, we have a, a CrossFit gym that I've actually got affiliated at the gym at the school now called uh, CrossFit Gage. Uh, I did that last year. So we, we moved into a new facility. So they gave me the budget for the fitness room. And I was like, can't, you're, you're giving me the budget. Like I get to 
pick what goes into this room. And they're like, yeah, we trust you. I was like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's do this. So it's not, a, it's not a huge room at all. Like I go to, I teach at a very small um, French high school. Uh, but you know, there's a, there's a rig, there's an, there's one assault bike, a couple rowers, skier, um, just everything that you see in a regular gym. Like there's weights, there's wall balls, boxes, like it's, it's a CrossFit gym. Uh, I had some students do the open this year. So that was the first year that they could do the open because before it's typically in March and that was March break. So I could never do the open for with them. So I had a few students participate. It was fun. They would come at lunch and do the workout and you'd get a bunch of students be like, what is going on in there? And there's kids are like, just like giving it up. They're all, it was really cool. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. The kids know what's going on, but I've had a lot of questions from the kids be like, then I'm like, why, why are you teaching us? Like, why aren't you playing your sports full time? And I have to tell them like, this is the reality of a female athlete that we have to juggle a full-time career and playing a sport. Like that's the reality of women's sports. Like you have very small percentage of people that are able to do it full-time and I'm just not able in my sport to do it full-time. So it's, it's funny when they, you kind of get that conversation going and it's like, this is what I'm fighting for with the PWHPA so that these women that are so talented in their sports don't have to, you know, be halfway in, in different, you know, glasses and they can actually like, in fact, their sport can actually get better faster because they're actually investing everything into that. Um, so that's always interesting. But at the end of the day, I try to just teach them, um, well, I mean, obviously like what I'm supposed to teach, but just keep uh, giving them different advice from different experiences I've had and um, try to be a good role model for them um, in different ways. Yeah. Along those lines, you are uniquely positioned with what you do with sports and also being a teacher to have quite an impression on not just kids, but also young girls. So what is the impression that you want them to leave with when you're done teaching them? that they can do everything that they set their mind to um, and that there's not one body that works for every female and that they can love their bodies and that uh, they don't need to give up their sport at the high school level. Like this is what we're fighting for so that these girls don't need to quit their sport. Cause there's, I think that I read a statistic. I think it's like one or two out of 10 females are still playing sports in high school and they all quit because there's no opportunities. So they focus on their school to go to college or university, et cetera. So we have actually a program called fit spirit um, at our school where it's only for girls. And it's literally because there's such a drop off in physical activity for girls at the high school level. And it's about getting these girls exposed to physical activity. We have them do like a 5k or five or 10k run at the end of the year. And these girls come together and they train and they might not even know each other. And we'll, I'll do Zumba classes with them. I'll do martial arts classes with them. I'll do CrossFit classes. And I just kind of get them to do physical activity and learn to get more self-confidence and to have a goal and let's work to get there. And then let's accomplish this goal and see that you can do stuff. So I think it's just, um, you know, creating a, a, an atmosphere in the school that, you know, these, I want these girls to take their place in the school, like to not shy away from, from gym classes, to not sit on the bench and watch the boys play. Like every time I go and I have like duty to watch people in different classes or at, at, in the gym, like I'll, I'll see some girls just like sitting on the bench. I'm like, 
get out there. Like you can play, like, let's go. And then they'll like slowly go up. So I think it helps them to see it's easier when, it, when it's a female letting them know, like, like to do it. Cause I think sometimes they're reluctant when it's a male telling them to do it. They're like, well, yeah, like it's easy for you. But then it's like, no, like you can do it. I can do it. You can do it. Let's, let's do this together. Um, so this, so at lunchtime, I, I open up the CrossFit gage and I take maybe five minutes to eat. Like I don't train at school cause I just don't have time, but I take about five minutes to eat. I open my, my gym there. I would say that 90% of the people that come there are females now. And they come to work out at lunch with me, not with me. Like I'm letting them know like what to do and I'm teaching them how to do it. And like that just comes from, uh, you know, an atmosphere that you just create in the school. And I think that, uh, you know, the girls are starting to take their place and they're starting to understand the benefits of physical activity and that it's more than just working out so that you lose weight. Cause that's the goal. Every, like every time the girls come to me, how can I get a six pack and how can I lose weight? And it's all about losing weight and it's very physical. So I'm just trying to get them to, um, think more about performance and what can their bodies do versus what their bodies can look like. Cause once they realize what their bodies can do and they can start appreciating how difficult that is to do, then all of a sudden they're not, they're starting to become less focused on the physical part and they're starting to be happy with themselves because they're, you know, they know that was hard to do and they accomplished it. So um, it's really, it's just cool to see that switch happen. It's still, it still needs to happen for a lot of these girls, but when you see it happen in a particular student, you're like, yes, like this, I know I did something at the end of the day and I just, it's, it's cool to see. Well, Carolyn, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, best of luck with not only the CrossFit stuff, I hope we get to see you compete in Aromas, and I hope you are back on the ice uh, with all the other talented uh, female athletes who d definitely deserve a chance to uh, showcase their talents. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> Big thanks to Carolyn Prevo for joining me today. If you want to follow her on social media, you can find her on Instagram. She is at cprevo27. If you're in business, you need to know something. Certified Two Brain Mentors have been through it all and they're available to help you reach success. To learn how a mentor can help you transform your business and add $5,000 in monthly recurring revenue, book a free call on twobrainbusiness.com. Thanks for listening to Two Brain Radio, everybody. I'm Sean Woodland, and we'll see you next time.